Welcome to the Total Freedom Podcast, where you can build your total freedom lifestyle and live your life doing what you want, when you want, with whomever you want. And now, here is your host, John Racine. Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Total Freedom Podcast. Before we get into this episode, I just want to thank you sincerely from the bottom of my heart for being a listener of the Total Freedom Podcast. My goal when creating this podcast was to be able to provide amazing value, share experiences, give you hope and inspiration, and do so many things. So I'm truly honored and humbled that you spend your time listening to this episode. On today's episode, I have an amazing guest, somebody that I connected with who lives half a world away. She went from being homeless to becoming a CEO, and she's just absolutely amazing. So sit back and enjoy this episode of the Total Freedom Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Total Freedom Podcast. I'm really excited for today's guest. She is the owner of The Thrifty Issue. She's a travel writer and a marketing consultant, and we are speaking from halfway around the world. Please welcome Kylie Travers. Kylie, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. So uh, I said you're kind of halfway around the world. You're in Australia right now, right? I am. I'm on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. So one of the nicest parts, I would say, of Australia. Outstanding. <laughs> so let's get into it. Tell us who Kylie is and how she got here. Sure. Well, um, I'm a mom of two. I tend to have a pretty free lifestyle now. We, well, not as much travel right now, but you know, I just got back from uh, the Solomon Islands in Vanuatu and we tend to travel a lot and do what we want. My work is such that I can pick and choose what I want to do when I want to do it, which is rather fortunate for me. And I got to this position because I uh, left an abusive marriage. My daughters and I ended up homeless. And so I sort of started from rock bottom and rebuilt my life and really decided what it was that I wanted and then worked hard towards that, founded a marketing company, won a bunch of um, international awards and ended up just being able to travel a lot more and have the sort of lifestyle that we have now, which my daughters and I quite enjoy. <laughs> I can imagine. I know we spoke uh, earlier and you had spent several weeks in uh, Vanuatu and, and the Solomons and uh, yeah. in, in the middle of global pandemic and shelter in place orders. Yes, we, we got to skip most of it because the Solomon Islands and Vanuatu don't have any cases. Uh, so they remained clean and still are clean. They're one of the f uh, few countries in the world that have stayed that way. So even though the borders were closed and we couldn't get back to Australia, uh, the lifestyle was pretty good. You just got to you know hang out at the beach and go to the markets and have fresh produce and go fishing or go swimming at night. In the Solomons, there's bioluminescent water. So our lifestyle was pretty good uh, for <laughs> most of the pandemic. <laughs> which um, we felt very, very fortunate to have been uh, essentially stuck over there um, because we had some family matters that we were attending to. Um, yeah, and when it all broke out, we just like, oh, well, we're stuck in paradise. What a disappointment. <laughs> I <laughs> know, right? for us. <laughs> yeah, but it, it was an adjustment coming back, though, because we were quarantined and um, couldn't even open a window, couldn't go outside at all for the 14, 14 days coming back into Australia. And that was, that was a bit of a shock to the system. But the day after we got out, restrictions eased. So we really didn't have what everybody else experienced. So you time. went from vacation to a two-week forced vacation and now yeah. quasi-normal. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's, it's a bit surreal to not have experienced what everybody else did in the same, the same manner. Yeah, I know. I'm in Florida right now and we're getting ready to go into phase two of the reopening. So yeah, I've been living it. I didn't get to... Well, Florida in some people's minds is paradise and I absolutely love Florida, but I can't see the ocean from where I live. So not quite the yeah. same. 
Yeah, <laughs> but it's still a beautiful piece of the world. <laughs> I agree. I agree. So you got into marketing. Did you have a marketing background prior to getting in or is it just something that you stumbled into? I stumbled into it. Um, I'm actually a high school dropout, so I don't. I didn't have any official qualifications. I was a hairdresser back in the day, but I started with blogging. So I set a goal to be a millionaire by the time I was 30, and I started writing about that. And then I landed a book contract. And then um, after leaving my abusive marriage, I uh, bought a couple of other websites. And then because of what I was doing, I had government agencies wanted me to connect them and lots of businesses wanted me to connect them to bloggers and train them on social media and marketing. And um, I had a couple of international organizations wanted me to assist with their marketing and um, be sort of like their marketing ambassador. And so I was like, well, I probably need to found a company and do this properly. Um, so yeah, I had no, no real background. I'd won Best International First Personal Finance Blog twice by that point. Um, but yeah, I founded the company me really because I had international corporations and governments wanting to work with me. So I kind of thought I need to put that together. I uh, think I just had a natural ability for, for a lot of it and just uh, enjoyed what I was doing, particularly the blogging and social media and, and that sort of thing. And because too, I think people were starting to realize the power of mums in terms of the budget within a family and how much better it is to market towards mums for a lot of the uh, expenses. And since obviously I am a mom and I was the target bracket for a lot of organizations, they uh, valued my, my input. That's really, really cool. So were you doing the travel writing at the same time or was that something that came later? Um, that came a little bit later. I was actually uh, um, involved in a couple of campaigns in Canberra where I lived uh, because of the blogs that I owned, but they were finance blogs. And then uh, with the company, I was asked uh, to do some tourism marketing for a few of the international tourism boards. So I got started in that. And then when I sold my company, they still wanted me to work as a writer. Um, and I, I enjoy it. I've always loved writing. I wanted to do it since I was a kid. But my dad said that it's um, nobody gets paid as a writer. Like nobody can make a living as a writer. Uh, that's wrong. You can. I have. It's quite good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I didn't, I didn't actually really take the travel writing seriously until uh, I was going through a nasty child custody battle and uh, my ex started using what I'd been writing about in finance and about my personal life against me in court. And so I kind of wanted to ease up on that and scale back on that side of the business things. And the travel writing I could do anonymously and a lot of the travel consulting anonymously. So, um, and also get to travel everywhere. So I was like, well, you know, that's a pretty good lifestyle. I'll go for that. And um, yeah, it ended up, I did really, really, really well. I um, got to go to the islands, like the Solomons four times last year, uh, Vanuatu, Fiji, Slovenia, Austria, all much different to what we, we sort of expected. And my daughters have loved it. So yeah, we're, we've enjoyed it. <laughs> that's awesome. What's the favorite place that you've been to so far? Oh, I love Vanuatu. <laughs> I'm probably biased because my partner is from Vanuatu. Um, so we've got family there and that sort of thing. But I think too, because that was the first place my daughters went overseas. And as soon as we were there, they were both just going, oh my gosh, this is home. Um, they are they are islanders as, as well. My first husband was also um, an islander, but um, Tongan, not um, from Vanuatu. And yeah, they always sort of felt this piece was missing and my 11-year-old had actually told me that she wanted to live in Vanuatu. This is before she knew I was dating someone that um, was originally from there. And so, yeah, when we went there, she was like, oh, this is it. And because just the, the ward is nice, the people are so friendly. Uh, but because they've been catering to tourists for um, 
quite a while. There's still a lot of, you know, your normal stuff for Westerners, but they kept the culture really well, much better than um, Fiji in my, in my view. Um, so, yeah, that's probably my favorite. Got it. So as a travel writer, what are the things that you write about? It depends. Uh, I like to sort of focus on uh, more about the culture and the experience of being there more so than, you know, these are the top things to do here or um, the really touristy aspects. I also like to focus on locally owned businesses. So in Vanuatu, I sort of focus more on um, like Nivan owned businesses in the Solomons. Uh, I did a lot with a dive company called Dive Munda and uh, they have been the ones to train the first female dive instructors. So focusing more on like the gender equality and how tourism really impacts uh, those sorts of places and how it can change their lives. Like it's literally changed uh, the life for females over there and established more equality and given them more employment options and um, just changed everything for them just in a matter of a few years. The Solomons hasn't been a major tourist destination but, um, yeah, and sustainable travel. I like, I like to focus on how you can travel, you know, without sort of trashing the place that you're going to. <laughs> that's, that's important to me. <laughs> I, I remember I grew up in the Boy Scout program and now our thing when we would go camping is always leave it cleaner than when you got there. So I exactly. resonate with a lot of what you're saying there. Exactly. And especially for, for places like in the South Pacific, it's so important because there's so much rubbish that's washed up into their, their, their places crystal clear, like absolutely pristine, but rubbish gets washed up from Australia and China and, and that sort of thing. And so as, as a diver, I, I love scuba diving. That's one of the things we do. We always pick up any rubbish that we see on dive sites and that sort of thing and always make sure we leave it yeah, cleaner than we found it. Oh, interesting. I didn't know divers did that. I, I've wanted to become certified for a long, long time and I just haven't done it yet. Do it. You will love it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's so freeing being under the water and just... Oh, it's my favorite. It's I, at one point in my career, I worked for the Boy Scouts of America and we were doing the career exploring program. So we would take high school students and put them into these different groups. Some would do like law enforcement or veterinary science. We had a scuba group and I had the opportunity to certify, but I could never get the time because of the work that I had to do. So the sessions were always when I had an event or something to do. So I kind of oh. kicked myself for not doing it. No, well, I, I only got qualified because of Dive Munda. They invited me to um, to come back and get certified. I've gone, okay. And so I went and stayed, <laughs> stayed for a week in paradise and learned in, you know, 30 degree, beautiful, crystal clear water and got to see sharks and turtles and everything on my first dive. It's like, this is amazing. Wow. So, um, I highly recommend it if you, if you can, can get the chance to get certified and do it. I think I need to become a travel writer then. That sounds amazing. It is amazing. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Is there a place that you want to go that you haven't had a chance to yet? Yes, I'd like to go to Raja Ampat and the Galapagos. Both of them are amazing for diving. Um, I was actually meant to do Raja Ampat a few years ago, but uh, there was some work clashes with it. That was when I was, I was doing a lot of work for a wonderful Indonesia. Um, and that would have been amazing, but you know. It doesn't matter, but that's the, the first dive trip that I want to take when things sort of open up is there. And then the second one is the, to the Galapagos. So it's, they're both on my list. <laughs> Amazing. That's awesome. So if you're listening and you have any connections, reach out. Hook me up. <laughs> <laughs> when you're writing, do you write from being a mother or do you change personas based on what you're writing for? I change based on what I'm writing for as well as what tri the trip is. Uh, so not all the trips that I've done have included my kids. I have done some trips solo. Um, some trips are more suitable to families. Some are more for singles or some are for people with older kids. So 
um, I sort of tend to go on the trip and then I'll see a bunch of angles that I can write about and do it that way. So I sort of try to do five to ten articles from each trip that I go on, which is also sets me apart because most travel writers tended to offer one for a major publication, whereas I would come have a look at the overall picture, ask them about their marketing, what they're wanting to do, who their audience is and all that sort of stuff and then could tailor it to that and to publications that would be connected and interested in in whatever they're offering. So, yeah, so, so you're bringing a bit of your marketing background into your writing, which is great. So you're talking yeah. to the people who's your audience, who are you writing for? That's amazing. That's it. That's it. And it's been interesting doing it from that perspective because on a few of the trips, when I've been on them, I've then been asked by the owners to do extra writing work for them that's paid on top of what I was already booked to be doing. And the other writers have been like, how did you get that? How come they asked you? I'm like, well, probably because I had a chat with them about their marketing and what they're actually wanting and, you know, I'm trying to provide value in what we're doing. And because the more articles I place, the more I get paid. So it's better for both of us. It just makes sense. But yeah. And so um, having that sort of point of difference has helped a lot. That is such a powerful message for anybody that's doing any type of client work to really focus in on what it is that they're looking for and give them what they're asking for. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Too often, um, particularly in travel writing, I saw many people that were all in it about for what it was for them and what they could get out of it and how much money they could make from it or what the experience would be for them. And it's like some of those experiences were worth thousands of dollars. I did one last year that would have been $15,000, $20,000 if I had to pay for it out of my own pocket. And um, the people on it were like, I'm only going to do one one article because blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You've been going on for the last eight days how amazing this trip is. And now you're like, I'm only going to do one because I didn't like the food. I'm like, so don't focus on the food. Right. Wow. <laughs> no skim over that. How about all the wine you've been drinking for every <laughs> night? Like every night. But yeah, it's, it's interesting how different people view different trips. Um, and that sort of thing. And I, I try to, if there are negative elements to any trip, I do try to sort of discuss with the owners what they're going to do to sort of fix that. Or um, I will mention it in my articles at times. Um, but overall, I've enjoyed most of, most of my travel, even if disaster has happened or whatever. It's always been a pretty good experience. Awesome. So obviously there's a lot of research that's involved when you go on these trips, you're doing all of the experiencing. So I'm going to call that research. If, yes. And if you're putting out all of these articles, how much time do you spend writing at the end of one of these trips or in the middle of the trip or whenever you do your writing? Uh, it depends on what I'm writing and who I'm writing for and um, the requirements of the editor and that sort of thing. So some I have a really good relationships with and I can smash out an article in like 20 or 30 minutes for them and um, send across some photos that they select and, and that sort of thing. So that can be quite easy and quite quick. There are others where there was back and forth, I think, for um, five days and I was getting really sick of it <laughs> to, to the point where I was like, well, I'm about to charge you a lot of extra fees for, for me doing this work. But it was a publication that I, I wanted to get into. Um, but, yeah, for the most part, not long. Um, and I tend to sort of schedule a bit of time at the end of a trip or I might stay a day or two longer in the destination at the end of the trip to do it or do it on the flight on the way back. Um, so it doesn't feel like a whole lot. But we generally people like travel writers are taking notes the whole time they're on a trip. So then it's really easy to just go back and fill in some dot points for whatever you're sort of writing about. Are you old school with your note taking and do you write it pen to paper or are you more digital? I'm, I'm a mix. 
because I'm also great at forgetting my notebook. So I tend to use my phone more than anything. And um, but, but I've also found like the travel writing community is pretty good. And at times where I've, um, you know, left my notebook or didn't have access to my phone or whatever, somebody else has shared some notes with me or we always sort of cross-reference with each other to check what each other is feeling about the trip, what we're thinking, what their experience has been and take notes from each other's experiences as well. So it's a more rounded approach. So, um, yeah, I do prefer pen and paper for most things, but just I like on, um, in the islands there, they're funny because I've been quite a few times to the, to the Solomons and over there, they know that I'll forget and I'll leave my bag somewhere or I'll leave my notebook up here. And they're just constantly picking up my stuff from the dive boat and bringing it back to where, <laughs> where I am. And they're like, this is yours. Or I'll come upstairs and I'll be like, where's my, and they're like, you left it on the accommodation deck. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> um, it's, yeah that's awesome it sounds I'm like very relaxed there so you know you yeah get careful when you're relaxed and you're a local now it sounds like you're there enough but that's it I think so <laughs> <laughs> well we got stuck there I signed a lease I, I had a, a house in Honiara whilst we were we were there so yeah, yeah you're, I consider you're a, a lot of them family <laughs> yeah I'd, I'd like to be <laughs> <laughs> there you go so that's it, it. it sounds like a lot of these trips are done with a number of writers is that what I'm hearing Hi, I just wanted to take a quick minute to thank you for listening to the Total Freedom Podcast. We spend a lot of time on this show talking about resiliency, overcoming challenges, and achieving greatness in your life. And I wanted to invite you to discover the Resolve System, my own unique take on how to overcome virtually any challenge in your life. I've outlined the seven steps of the Resolve formula that will take you through just about any challenge you could have in life or business. So head over to totalfreedompodcast.com forward slash resolve and check out the video. Thanks so much. Yeah, yeah. They're generally, they're called mills or media trips. So mill meaning like uh, familiar. Um, you're going there to get familiar with the place. So it depends on the budget of whoever's running it or the tourism board for the country uh, and those sorts of things. So I've been on some where it's been just me. Uh, but for the most part, it's it's been in, in groups where there's a few of us writing for different publications. Um, usually uh, the person who's organising the trip will check who each of us write for to make sure there's no crossover or no competition between between us. Uh, if they haven't done that, then we sort of sit down generally together and go, I'm going to pitch to so-and-so and just make sure that we're not stepping on each other's toes sort of thing. So it's a very, I found it to be a very friendly community. Okay. Yeah. And do you have to market yourself to get these gigs or do people just contact you? Is it a mix? Uh, it's it's a mix. Most of mine have been contacted or I've been requested back after doing a mill. I've been requested back uh, just me to go do to go do stuff again with them. Um, the first one in the Solomons, I just reached out to the tourism um, board and was said, you know, this is who I am, and you know, if you're interested. And they message back and they're like, we've got a trip in two weeks. You want to go? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Yes, I want to go. I had no idea how I was going to organize it at that point. But, you know, because my kids and I was a single mom at the time, so that I, but I sorted it out. Whereas Indonesia, um, they reached out directly and um, wanted me to do a bunch of work. And then after one trip with them, they asked me to do, speak at different events. I was MC for a couple of their festivals and, and that sort of thing. So um, I've had quite a mix of work, but it's it's more... I've more been pitched to than me pitching, particularly in the in the beginning. Interesting. Yeah. So we're kind of peeling the layers of the onion back. So now we're talking about speaking yeah. on stage and other things. So tell us about that. <laughs> yeah, well, I uh, started with that back in 2011. Um, I spoke at a financial conference about going from blog to book because I'd landed a book contract with one of the biggest uh, business publishers in the world. 
Um, it was published under a different name and I hate that book, so I'm not promoting it. Um, but <laughs> but that's sort of what started it. And then, um, you know, I did a few speaking events like that and spoke at quite a few women in business events. And then when I left my relationship, I was quite open about what had happened to me with charities. So then I did a lot of speaking for charities in Parliament House, um, Darling Harbour um, and some major events in Australia around that. So because I had that speaking background, I was quite comfortable and confident on stage. When I started doing travel writing, the tourism boards were like, oh, can we pay you to speak at our festivals and things? Yes, you can. <laughs> I can do that too. <laughs> so I have, uh, yeah, a variety of um, experience. But my, my favourite speaking has been more uh, the speaking for charities more than, than anything else because it has a real, a real purpose and the people in the room are always so amazing. They're either, it can be anywhere from speaking to a room full of CEOs or a room full of people that are currently experiencing homelessness. Um, and obviously because I've experienced that, we connect in a way that they don't normally get to connect with with speakers. Yeah, that, yeah I like that, that best. That's amazing. And I've worked for a nonprofit in, in America, so I can understand when you get somebody like yourself that can resonate so deeply with the program. It is so powerful when you put somebody like you in front yeah. of a group that that has that that shared commonality. Absolutely. And it was, it was, for me, it was a great experience. It was very healing, obviously sharing some of my story and how I went from homeless to CEO. Uh, but it was also really empowering to have people reach out and go, you know, I saw you speak and because of what you said, I've changed this. Or when um, a charity would ask me to be uh, their spokesperson for the media, so either on TV or radio. And I remember one of the first ones I did, they're like, all right, it's a three minute segment and we really want to focus on this. And, you know, I'm like, okay, okay. So I got there and I started doing it. And then the uh, host was just so fascinated by it and it was at prime time. It was um, prime time and we ended up being on the, on the air for seven minutes straight and the, the charity was just ecstatic. They raised more than they expected at, at that point and then later that day when I picked my girls up from school, we went, we were just at the supermarket and I was talking at the cashier and the person behind me goes, were you on the radio? And just turned around and going, oh, and they're like, you were talking about being homeless this morning. And I was like, yeah, that was me. And then there was a whole bunch of other people who were like, yes, I heard you. And I'm like, I didn't realize it was that listened to. But yeah, it was um, quite an experience. And that, that became fairly common when I was doing a lot of the speaking and the work for the nonprofits, um, that, especially because Canberra is fairly small. It's, you know, under half a million, the population. And so to be the, the sort of spokesperson for the area was um yeah my daughters loved it because they're like everybody knows who we are <laughs> you're, you're the local yes. celebrity that's it I'm like this is a country town guys it's not that great <laughs> but, um, but it was good to have all those skills I could draw on and sort of um use for a, a very good purpose it sounds like there's nothing you can't do or accomplish oh well, thank you <laughs> I sort of view life that way you know if you, if you want to do something give it a go um, yeah. Absolutely. What's the worst that can happen? You suck at it. Oh well, you tried. Like, and there are plenty of things that I've not been great at. <laughs> <laughs> I can. But relate. We don't talk about those ones. <laughs> I, I, I can relate, and you're absolutely right. <laughs> so good. We just focus on our strengths. That's the main thing. You outsource your weaknesses and focus on your strengths. Absolutely, that's great. So, travel writing must be an interesting thing right now, as we're starting to come out of you know these shelter-in-place type orders. So, how do you deal with that? It's, it was interesting because obviously everything got stopped straight away and even some magazines and publications we'd written for have actually shut down completely. They're not coming back. Uh, so it's completely changed the landscape and because you don't know what's going to be open or when uh, a lot of the publications are a little bit hesitant 
to write stuff, but the tourism locations are very keen to have us back and to have us writing and doing what we can to promote and, you know, do the photos and all that sort of stuff. So it's a, it's an interesting landscape. Um, at the moment for, for that sort of work and it'll be uh, interesting to see how it goes. I'm fortunate that I have other streams of income so that was never, um, I wasn't fully dependent on it whereas I had other friends that that was, you know, 95% of their income and once it was gone they struggled a lot so at the moment they're desperate for everything to go back to normal whereas I'm like, mm, I don't know that I want to go to that destination because <laughs> um, I can pick and choose and so we're just sort of, we're, we're waiting, we're just um, enjoying being here on the Sunshine Coast because we've only been here a couple of weeks now and just waiting to see what happens with everything and where we want to go. What we want is for the Pacific bubble to open because Australia's been talking about New Zealand, connecting with New Zealand and having a little bubble there and Vanuatu and Fiji might be included. And so we're like, Vanuatu, go for Vanuatu. <laughs> and you can go more often. <laughs> that's it. That's it. I mean, because we've got property there and there's family there and that sort of thing. So that's our our spot but yeah I've got, I've got um most of the ones that I used to write for are still very keen to have me back the um, companies in the Solomon Islands for example are keen for as soon as things are open for us to start writing about them again um so my, my work will all be there it's just a matter of, of timing and seeing what particularly what Australia does there's a lot to write domestically um, because where I'm based in Queensland is the top tourist spot for Australia so everybody in Australia is waiting for Queensland to open their borders and Queensland's like, not yet, thanks. You can all stay there. <laughs> We're local only right now. Um, so it's, um, yeah, mixed and interesting. But there's a lot of opportunity coming up again, which is which is good. But they expect, what I read today, they expect it'll probably take at least seven years to get back to wow. what it was before in terms of what's available and the income and the amount of travel. Do you expect the environment for a travel writer to become more competitive as it starts to reopen because of less opportunity? Possibly, yeah. In, in one way, yes. In another way, not so much because I know quite a few of the travel writers have actually gone and got other jobs. So I'm not sure if they'll come back to travel writing because it has always been a bit more volatile in the sense that it's not as regular work compared to, say, finance and parent writing. You tend to get a lot more of that, whereas travel writing has always been fairly competitive. And so a lot of travel writers sort of either had a part-time job or something to supplement it. And, um, yeah, quite a few in groups that I'm in have said that they're just not going to come back to it. So we might see a, um, a bunch of new voices, which in my view would be really good because uh, it wasn't very diverse. Uh, the travel writing industry tended to be older white male or uh, privileged females like myself um, <laughs> because you look good in photos, basically. Um, I actually had that in Slovenia. They were like, can you just stand there? Can you just do this? And I'm like... Okay, I did not agree to be modeling, but sure. <laughs> I'll be in those photos. So, um, yeah, so I'm sort of like in a heap of the photos for that organization that wasn't intended, but that's sort of the thing. And I would like to see a lot more, um, you know, people of color, people of different backgrounds, uh, more parents traveling with their kids, more of a perspective from children would be fantastic, which is something that's been requested for my daughters, actually. Um, I've had a few publications request for me to write from their perspective or have them write a little bit because, you know, it's one thing for parents to go, oh, this place is great for kids because it's got a kids club and I never have to see my kids. I don't like those places, by the way. <laughs> um, but, you know, for my kids, they loved the Solomon Islands and Vanuatu because they're like, it was so free. We got there with machetes and I cracked coconuts with my elbow and those sorts of things that they loved. Whereas as a parent, you don't think so much about because, you know, it's not 
to you, it's not that exciting, but to them, it's just like, I could never do this in Australia as she's hacking something with a machete, <laughs> you know, like she's 11. So it's like really not something that would happen in Australia, but you know, the rules are different over there. Yeah, absolutely. So you don't like the places that have a kid's club where you never see your kids. So I'm assuming you don't like cruising then. I've, I've never been on a cruise. They've asked me to. And I sort of go, no, it makes me feel kind of really trapped. Um, I like there's uh, Solomon Island Discovery Cruises. I like the crew are really, really good with the kids. Um, but it's a very small dive boat, but you, the kids can try scuba and you sort of try surfing and, and all that sort of stuff. So I feel like that's very different to the big cruise ships. Uh, but obviously, like visiting the islands and stuff a lot, I do see all the cruise ships there and everybody that gets off and on cruise ship days in Port Villa, everybody assumes that we're, we're there. And then my daughter's like, uh, no. And then they're like, oh, you're local. And they yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. We are. We're, we're, we're half, half, half here. Um, and that sort of thing. So I'm like, but they, they want to go. So we will probably go at some point. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I've done, I've done two cruises and they've only been on, uh, you know, bigger ships. Uh, I'm a big Disney fan. So I've been on the Disney cruise line twice. I did Alaska and then two Christmases ago, I did the, was it the Western Caribbean over Christmas? So I was in uh, Grand Cayman on Christmas day. Yeah. I could be convinced to do that. I think that I could do. (laughs) No, I I will tell you if I ever do, I will cruise again, but if I were to ever Mm -hmm. do the holiday cruise again, I would not do it over the holiday. And the reason is when we got to Grand Cayman, it was a holiday and almost everything was closed. So we got, to do, we got to do our excursions. We went to do the mm. dolphin swim. That was the only thing we, we scheduled to do there. So we did the dolphin swim. And then we went back into the town center where the dock is to do some shopping. And if there were maybe in this six block area, maybe only four things open. So oh gosh. yeah, it was a bit yeah. of a letdown. So I would, I loved the Christmas cruise. I mean, I'll put it in perspective. We got up on Christmas morning and in the lobby of the, the ship was Santa Claus, right? So, oh, That's yeah, cool. they had him in the lobby. It was snowing in the lobby around Santa. Oh, they had the gosh, gingerbread yeah. display set up. So it was super cool. And I loved the concept. That's so awesome. I would do that again. It's just on the holiday days. Like I wanted to see more of Grand Cayman and, 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 and all of that. But yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. And then Alaska was was my first cruise which was spectacular. So I can only relate to the larger ships, but I've seen here in America, Mm -hmm. we've got some game shows where they give away the prizes of some of the smaller boat cruises. And some of those things look so cool. It's like, I think I want to do one of those. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. There's such a variety when it comes to cruising from the small ships right through to the really, really big ones. And uh, like my parents, we went to be cruising down um, in Europe, down one of the rivers at the moment. And um, yeah, when I looked at that ship, I was like, wow, that's like super fancy, mom. <laughs> but um, it, was, it was so different to anything I'd seen, even though I've been to Europe, um, the particular one that they had chosen. And it was just like, wow, there really is such a difference. There's something for everyone in terms of, of cruising and, and that sort of thing. And um, yeah, my daughters definitely want to try it. So we'll, we'll probably can do it. And obviously I can work from anywhere. So, you know, we can do whatever. But I did, I did have what talks with some of them a little bit prior to everything shutting down and us considering it. But then, you know, it all stopped. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> you know, I was, I was worried going on the cruise that there really wouldn't be anything to do or the ship wasn't going to be exciting or anything mm-hmm. like that. So I'm imagining from the travel writer perspective, after I've done two of them now, you couldn't stop writing because there's so many amazing little nooks and crannies and events and things That's that they it. do just on the boat, even separate from the excursions and the ports. 
Yeah, well, because they want to make sure that everybody's entertained and happy and there's something for everyone. I actually years ago was asked to work on a cruise ship as a speaker, um, but I couldn't do it as a single mom. It was just, it was too tricky. But when I looked into it then, I was like, wow, you guys have everything happening when it comes to entertainment on here. And and there is, which is why as a travel writer, I really enjoy those sort of trips that are a little bit more varied because you do, you come up with so many angles, so many things you can write about, which means there's more publications you can write for and it's a wider option for income for you. Yeah, and I hadn't even thought of that perspective. I guess that makes sense yeah. that, you know, it makes yourself more marketable. That's it. That's it. It does. Yeah. That is awesome. What else is happening in your world? You've got so many things going on. I do all the time. Um, at the moment, we're um, just chilling mostly on the Sunshine Coast and hoping to go to, to Vanuatu again. We've um, been looking at um, developing um, our property in Vanuatu so that we'd have sort of a bit more of sort of like a holiday stay place there and we're considering doing some more of that in in the future i'd like to do similar on the sunshine coast here uh, so very different to what i have done with all the travel writing and and that sort of thing but it's something i've always wanted to do i just hadn't been in a position previously to to sort of do it so that's sort of our our next step is i guess like a bricks and mortar business in that way i guess but yeah sort of sunshine coast and vanuatu so we'll be living between the two once borders open and yeah, just beach life, I guess, mostly. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Let me ask you. So the whole time that we've been talking, the one thought that keeps coming in my mind is like your, your face lights up when you talk about the travel writing. And I know it's not a majority of your income because you've got those other yeah. sources and everything. Have you considered teaching people how to become travel writers and doing a course? Well, I hadn't because I felt um, because I was so much younger or I hadn't done it for as long as everybody I've been on trips. It's like most people I've been on trips with have done it for years. And so I felt not like I didn't measure up or whatever for quite a while. And then when I was looking at all the work I've done, I'm like, really, I've done a fair bit. And um, I think the thing is too, like a lot of courses that I've seen were very focused on just the writing, but not so much how you can make yourself, set yourself apart from others or, or do it differently. And so it, it is one thing that I've sort of considered a little more recently, especially with everything locked down and now that we're back in Australia, um, is possibly doing some some sort of courses around the sort of stuff that I've done and um, how you can do it because a lot of it, I'm inherently lazy. Uh, so a lot of it is really how to do it the easiest way, if that makes sense, and least amount of effort. Whereas some of them I've seen like, you know, you have to pitch 50 times a day and I'm like, I've never done that. And I wouldn't want to do that. Um, and those sorts of things. So a lot of mine would be focused on how to do it easier and quicker and as you say, the, as you the say a marketing brain starts spinning too. So you like lazy. So I think you could turn it into an <laughs> automated course, right? And you've got a marketing background, you can market it. And then you've got these different angles. Like you don't have to pitch 50 times a day. I've just, I hear the sales copy yeah. being written know, as you're saying that. <laughs> There's so many things like that, but I think, um, well, cause the internet was so bad in the islands. I just put off doing anything. And then because I've had the luxury of having my income be pretty stable, whether I'm working or not. I um, got really lazy, um, just sitting on the beach and just hanging out. And then now that I'm back in Australia, I'm like, I should actually look at all those projects that I <laughs> thought about doing and that are in my notebook that, you know, is by my bed. I actually know where it is at the moment. Oh, there you um, go. It's not, it's not on the beach. <laughs> no, not now. I think my, my partner's great at going, babe, you left that over there. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think... Um, yeah, the next few months will be interesting now that I'm back here with good internet connection. My daughters will be going back to school, which will make a difference as well. They've been um, homeschooled for much longer than most people because we were traveling. And so there was that element as well. But 
yeah, it is. When you sort of like lay it out, it's like, that would be really easy. You just need to get off your butt and do it. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. That's Yeah, we'll see what happens. That's awesome. Well, we're coming up on the end. So I just wanted to ask you, how can people reach out and connect with you if they want to connect and and learn more about you? Yeah. Yeah, the best place is the thriftyissue.com.au is my website. Um, that's all about ways to make and save money. And if you look up the Thrifty Issue on any social media platform, it's me that comments and responds and, and that sort of thing. I do have other people that sort of schedule and do stuff, but when you're interacting, you'll be interacting with, with me. So those are the, the best places. Or you can add me on LinkedIn under Kylie Travers as well if you want. I'm really lazy on there. Really <laughs> lazy on there. But, you know, I'll get around to accepting your request, but no, I'm not very active there. <laughs> no worries. And we'll put all that info in the show notes for everybody. Kylie, is there a question that maybe I should have asked you that I didn't think to ask that maybe you'd uh, want to ask and answer now? No, I think we pretty much covered everything when it comes to sort of like the free lifestyle and that sort of thing. But thank you. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, it's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a joy. And that's another episode of the Total Freedom Podcast. We'll catch you on the next one. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Total Freedom Podcast. You can get the show notes for this episode at totalfreedompodcast.com forward slash episode 14. Thank you so much. And we'll catch you on the next episode. I just wanted to thank you for listening to this episode of the Total Freedom Podcast. We want to continue to bring amazing content to help you overcome the challenges in your life, become more resilient, achieve the life of your dreams. So we're going to ask you to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever podcast platform you listen to. That helps us to get ranked higher in the podcast chart so that we can share this message with more people. So again, subscribe, rate, and review, whether it's good, bad, whatever feedback, we'll use that to help make this podcast better. So thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Total Freedom with John Racine at www.totalfreedompodcast.com.